But I think the reaction, the natural reaction when you're in practice is, you know, that's not how we do it. We, we do it differently. Well, guess what? Pet owners don't live this experience every day the way we do. You know, you see it day in, day out. So you have expectations of what that goes like. But pet owners come into veterinary interactions when the last time they did it was maybe a year ago. And they don't have the expectations that we hold from living in it every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the Whisker Cloud veterinary marketing podcast. I am CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud, Adam Greenbaum. Today, I have Tom from PetSap. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, Adam. I'm good. Thank you. Yourself? I'm good. You're coming to us from UK, right? That's right. Yeah, I'm in London. That's right. You're in London. That's uh, Isn't this cool? Isn't this great? We could be sitting here with a couple of microphones in front of us. I'm in Southern California. You're in London. And we're just, we're talking. The world's crazy right now. And we're going to talk tech and veterinary medicine and all of that. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Before we jump in and and go crazy and start talking about all this uh, interesting tech that you and I have been building, let's talk about your veterinary origin story. So, you know, people on the podcast know I love Marvel. I love origin stories. We just watched Sam Wilson's origin as the new Captain America. Everyone knows my favorite origin story. Dr. Bruce Banner drops the atomic gamma radiation bomb while trying to recreate the secret super serum that created the first Steve Rogers Captain America and turned himself into the Hulk. So how'd you get into veterinary medicine? What was the act, the moment, the lifestyle? What happened that got you here? Well, I was bitten by a radioactive spider. and I uh, knew someone <laughs> was going to say that one day. Perfect. <laughs> Is that right? I, I'm not I'm not totally au fait with my comic book lore. <laughs> but uh, no, if I was bitten by a spider, it was uh, well before I can actually remember. So I've just, I've just always loved animals. And I think when you're a kid and you love animals, at, at some point, someone suggests, Hey, you, you know, you should be a, you, you should be a vet. And so I remember, you know, I must've been maybe seven and you had to write down what you wanted to be when you grew up. And I wrote zoological veterinary surgeon. It had like far too many O's in zoological, but you know, it was a pretty good bet on, on, on what I wound up doing. I went to university, studied zoology and, and qualified as a vet. Wow. I mean, it's just that simple. And it's so funny to like to hear these stories from people who are like, I loved animals. I decided I was going to do it. And then I did it. Yeah. I think, you know, along the way, it's interesting. I was given a, um, a cuddly toy, which was a gorilla, but at the time I, I couldn't differentiate between gorillas and monkeys. So I called the toy Gila monkey. And then someone, someone let me watch gorillas in the mist at much too young an age. Uh, spoiler alert, Diane Fossey gets hacked to death with a machete at the end. <laughs> so watching that it, sort of pre 10, maybe not the best, but uh, she certainly was a big inspiration to me. So this idea of, you know, living in the service of animal welfare, that was certainly something that sort of stuck with me from an early age. You know, it's interesting too, is well, you're talking about gorillas, monkeys. I have this weird love for gorillas and monkeys too. And when I look at videos of gorillas and monkeys, I see humans without some of the bad side sometimes. So this was five years ago. My wife and I went to Atlanta, Georgia, here in the US, and we went to a chimp sanctuary in the middle of the forest, about two hours north of Atlanta. And I was given a private tour for the day of this sanctuary where they rescue chimps who have been rescued from animal testing and pharmaceutical stuff. And they're, I'm telling you, I'm not a, I'm not a sentimental, I'm not a crier. I'm not, I, I, I am. I, so be careful. Okay. Okay. You are. See, and I, <laughs> I feel like I'm an emotional person, but I'm not a crier, but you know, you go and you meet these, you meet these animals and, you know, we met the head chimp Arthur and he was the alpha chimp and, they basically built a Jurassic Park for chimps over there. And we just spent the day there and you like, you kind of get to know them and you get to know their personalities. And I felt myself like tearing up over and over and over all day just to think like, man, thank God they're here. Thank God they're out of that. They, they posted a video like a couple months after we were there. So they were in this enclosure. It's like a three-story enclosure. And we got to go in and, and see them and they'd never been outside and they were still building it when we were there. So it's literally a big Jurassic Park. And, and then they posted this video of the apes like getting to go out for the first time. And they were like holding each other's hands. They were nervous. And then they all like 
touch the ground for the first time in their lives. And they're like running and jumping on trees and jumping from tree to tree. They've never even seen them, but it was like in their DNA to know what to do. My wife and I are just sitting there on the couch, like bawling our eyes out. I'm like, man, this is just the coolest thing I've ever seen. So I'm with you. I love all of that. Yeah, I have to say, though, that, that you know, the, the mountain gorilla is only my second favorite animal. Uh, humans still come first for me. I think uh, I think people are great, too. Yeah, people are great. They're tied with me for Boston Terriers. It's like Boston Terriers, <laughs> 1A, humans, 1B. And I think that's where we're at. But yeah, man, I think and I think that's what's great about veterinary medicine is people like you and me who want to help people and want to and love animals and want to help animals by helping the people that help animals can build great tech that can help them do it. So you started Pets App. You're in the UK. You've been doing this for what, three years? Yeah, I mean, we launched this version of the product January 2020. So not so long ago, but you know, we were experimenting with various things as, as we were developing that product, had a few things in beta for yeah about two and a half years, something like that. And just for people that don't know, Pets App is, it's an app. You can text, you can chat, you can do appointment bookings, you can do video calls, you can do payments. You do all of that right from an app. This is, you know, an industry that I think vets are finally getting into realizing I don't have to be on the phone for 30 minutes to, you know, make sure that so-and-so gets their cat and dog to see us properly. Like these things can be done. So what got you here? How, what made you say, Hey, I need to start this app and I need to, I need to make this easier. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Through the arc of my career to date has really been about increasing the accessibility of veterinary expertise for companion animals, sort of in the name of advancing companion animal welfare. So I actually started my career out in China, you know, an emerging population of pet owners and making sure that there was the veterinary infrastructure there to support um, that trend. So I spent nearly five years out in China running veterinary clinics out there, um, Shanghai, Beijing, and Hong Kong. I spent time in and and ran uh, clinics in, in other cities, uh, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, Suzhou, Nanjing, cities that, candidly, I didn't know the names of before. Jumping on the first flight out to China immediately after graduating as a vet. So starting PetsApp was really an extension of that. It was saying, you know, the minority of pet issues are addressed by those people best place to address them which is the local veterinary team but then the interesting thing is over time yes that still drives me this sort of accessibility of veterinary expertise for pets still drives me but also the accessibility of veterinary crits how can we serve the, these people who do so much for these animals how can we just help them power up with, you know, help them do more for the patients that they care about, but without asking any more of them, preferably asking a little less of them. So I think I think that's becoming more and more part of the mission, really. I agree. And I think you and I are probably pretty similar, right? It's like I'm a tech person. I'm not a veterinary person. I, I look at everything from a tech perspective. So when I talk to vets, and, and it's weird, if you would have told me six, seven years ago, I'm going to be this guy who lives in Southern California, who owns this big company and has all these employees and talks to 10 veterinarians every day and has a company that talks to 200 of them a day, I'd say, that's weird. How did I get there? But here I am. And every conversation is basically the same. Like This sucks. This is frustrating because of this issue I have. And it's always like, what's the issue? Well, it's, you know, I don't have enough receptionists. The phone's ringing off the hook all day. People are getting pissed in their cars, you know, like the curbside with the COVID. Everything's a nightmare. And it's like, why wouldn't we just fix that with a piece of technology? Why wouldn't we just fix that with a piece of technology? And you know, like a good example of that is here at Whisker Cloud, we manage social media for hundreds of veterinary hospitals around the world. And I had someone on our team. We have two options. Some people want to see the posts we create first and approve them or make edits. And, and the majority don't. So it's interesting. We had this system. I didn't realize that people on our social team were literally like manually exporting the posts, sending these emails, waiting for responses. Everything was manual. And I was talking to Emily from our team. I said, how many hours a week does this take up? She says 10 to 15. I said, are you crazy? 10 to 15 hours a week we're spending on this. We spent 
20 minutes in HubSpot, which is our CRM, we found a way to properly tag the people that want this. We created an email. We created custom links. I mean, this was a 20-minute ordeal, and we figured it out. Now, it auto-sends to them on the specific days that they ask, and it's a quick approval process with a click. It's easier for them. They enjoy it. And it saves us 15 hours a week. And I'm thinking to myself, we fixed that in 20 minutes. I'm not kidding you. It's like even, even after you and I record... I have a meeting on my calendar for an hour. And and I mean, but this is what companies like Whisker Cloud and companies like PetsApp do. It's we, we're technology companies and we use technology to speed things up and we create technology to make this easier for our veterinary customers to do this in their hospitals. And we're still working on the adoption of that. And and I guess I want to ask you, you know, you've been doing this since January 2020. I've been doing this since June of 2016. And it's definitely getting better. Like people are starting to understand, I don't need to be on the phone all day, right? So like, how do, how do, how does your company and how does Whisk how do we continue to make sure the adoption is what the majority of people want? And anyone who doesn't want to do it this way is sort of in the minority. Yeah, I, I think, um, first off, well done you for having the courage, you and your team for having the courage to make a change. And I think we are at an advantage in that running technology companies, there's a certain inherent mutability in our companies that allows sort of rapid iteration and rapid change. Veterinary clinics, you know, I've operated veterinary clinics internationally, both, you know, out in Asia, in the UK, and they are operationally complex businesses. You know, everyone thinks their business is different and there's all this exceptionalism that goes on, but veterinary clinics, they can have any pet owner with any species of animal walk through their doors with any problem requiring any combination of thousands of products and services. It might not even have an appointment, you know, it might be against the background of a full appointment diary. And we do a fantastic job of servicing those needs. And so in, in the face of that operational complexity, we've each assembled our own sort of unique apple cart of solutions to that that sort of makes the clinic work and lets us uh, sort of tolerate that sort of complexity on a day-to-day basis. And so if someone comes along with this sort of shiny new solution, we confront it with a certain cynicism of, you know, are you going to upset the apple cart? But I think one great way to introduce mutability into your business, to allow you to be more flexible, allow you to be more open to change, is to introduce technology into your business where you can iterate on the digital experiences perhaps more rapidly than you can on the real world experiences. Let me ask you this. You're the CEO of PetsApp. How many hours a week do you work? Oh, <laughs> don't worry. A, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I, and yeah, I complain about all the time. Was it? 80 no, that's a tough one because uh, no, I, I think it depends what you define as work, right? There's lots of people talk about work-life balance and it's about finding what works for you. I'm about work-life synthesis. You know, this is maybe getting a little too personal, a little too graphic, uh, but hey, I we're take all a long, here. <laughs> exactly. I take a long bath every day, right? I've got three kids under the age of five. I'm running this, you know, rapidly growing company and I still, you know, I just make time for this bath. I think that bath is work, right? (laughs) For me, it counts because that's my time to do my unstructured thinking. You know, this is a time when a lot of the creative problem solving happens. So if you don't leave room, if you are just, you know, if you're working flat out all the time, and I think this is one of the um, challenges of vet me practice is if you are working at like full capacity all the time, where do you find uh, that bandwidth? Where do you find those opportunities to have the creative so- solutions or embrace embrace the creative solutions others are providing for your practice? So I, I think I would encourage everyone to, to to try and find that space. So and you know I and I when I asked that because listen, you gave some really personal information. I'm going to give some weird information here just so we're even because it was interesting when you said bath every day. I do a one hour steam with my iPad and and I read and I follow the news and I and I do a lot of things and I'll and I'll sit there and like text with friends like what are you doing? I'm like steaming and they're like and you're sitting there with your iPad. I'm like, yeah, this is my my hour. It's typically at like four in the morning, to be honest. And I do that every day. And and, and then I I literally have like a cheap iPad that's used just for that. And people like friends are like, Are you insane? <laughs> like, I'm not. This is my this is my hour to sweat and think and read and get away from life. And so it's interesting that you said that, but yeah, you know, 
I'm and I'm with you. Like the synthesis, right? It's like I get up at four, I do the steam, I work for an hour or two, I take the dogs for a long walk for about 45 minutes to an hour down by the water. I, you know, I come work, my wife gets home about 4 30 or 5. We you know we take the dogs, we eat dinner. I'm typically like I have my laptop around, I'm replying to emails, I'm checking on things, I'm building things. And then most nights, it's at least an hour or two, sometimes more. Sometimes I go through through the night if I'm feeling really crazy and I have an idea. But but I always think about how do I get back an hour here, an hour there? How do I get back three, four hours here? And I think you probably struggle with that too. And that's what, that's what Whisker Club does. That's what Pets App does. And that's what Emily from our social team came to me, you know, a few months back and was just like, I don't want to do this 15 hours a week. Imagine being a young marketing person at a company where you're thought really highly of and you want to do great work. And then, you know, you work a 40 hour work week and 15 of those hours are spent doing this task that is so horrible and boring and doesn't allow you to do other great things. I imagine. And I, and I asked her, I'm like, I was like, why didn't you tell me? Or, or our marketing ops manager, like, why did no one know about this for so long? And, and I said, you know, think about what you can do with those 15 hours. What can I do? So with Pets app or with Whisker Cloud or with anything, it's like, how many, I always say like, how many micro moments can we get back in a day? And I do one-on-ones with our team. And we talk about this all the time. I'm feeling stressed. Why? Well, I need to get this project done. What's stopping you? And I always ask the question, how long should that project take? Well, if I just sat here in silence four hours, so sit there in silence. Well, I do this, I do that. So don't do it today. Finish the project. So, you know, I imagine a vet hospital is incredibly similar. You get into a groove, the phone rings five times. You've got Mr. Johnson's coming in and he's always mean. You've got so-and-so and and the dog's always barking and crazy. You've got the crazy cat, sort of like my cat, who when she's there, she's ready to murder everyone. And it's like, I can't get into a groove. Oh, the phone's ringing. This person needs an appointment. This person wants to talk. We'd rather just text them. This person's standing here with a credit card curbside trying to pay. And you're just like, hey, pull out your phone, text us, click a button to book the appointment. So like, how do you... How do how do you and I and people like us sell that dream to people? We want you, practice manager. We want you to be able to go take a bath at five o'clock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do we get that message down? Yeah, or, or, or reliably get your lunch break, or if you're if you're British, get your cup of tea. You know, uh, much needed. It can be done, right? And we're seeing practices doing it. We're seeing practices finding a better way of working. And it's interesting you mentioned the ringing telephone a few times there. And there's a certain tyranny to a ringing telephone. I remember when I was running practices, it's it's one of my regrets, actually, not challenging this assumption. When I was, when I was running the practices, I'd train the teams to answer the phone within three rings, because that's what, you know, I'd read somewhere that that's what customers expect. And if you don't answer it within three rings, they might stop trying to get the help, the help their pet needs. And so um, that's the expectation we set. But what is on the other end of that phone? is important, right? And the uncertainty that veterinary teams have to face, because that could be a patient in dire need of your help. It could be, you know, a a dog that's just been hit by a car, but it could equally be someone ringing up about your vaccination prices. It could be dear old Mr. Smith, who, who lost his wife earlier in the year and is asking when he can come and pick up Rusty's ashes. You know, it could be Schrodinger calling about his cat, frankly. That's the level of uncertainty we're dealing with. I think that creates a heavy psychological burden on veterinary teams. And, you know, we talked about all the negative moments. There are many, many great moments in, in veterinary practice. You know, the veterinary professions... I think we're in a real privileged position, the moments that we get to share with people and share with the animals that we love. But let's cut out some of these less desirable aspects. And the telephone, I think, is certainly one of them. And in facing the problems of the pandemic, it seems that the solution has been call more, you know, and we're not letting people in the clinic. So call us when you arrive. We can't take payment in the clinic. So call us to pay over the telephone. Well, more telephone calls are the last thing anyone wants, even under normal circumstances. So I think by embracing asynchronous ways of communicating, by embracing chat, the ability to send photos, videos, book appointments, click and collect ordering of medications, those sorts of things, um, whether that's through the web or through an app, I think that just frees everyone up. It allows them to prioritize their own work day at a glance. You know, that's just someone asking about a vaccination price. 
The automated message that kicks off the interaction has set the expectation that we might not reply for an hour. That means I can go and grab my lunch and reply when I get back. Or if it is something more urgent, yep, I'm happy to jump on it because yes, our patient's needs are always going to be our priority. And isn't it funny? It's like when I talk about tech and automation, and even with Whisker Clouds customers, who are the people that are listening to this right now, I'm always thinking like, I'm doing this to make your life easier, to make our lives easier. Isn't that the goal? Both sides should feel like this is easier. If a pet parent is able to use technology at a hospital, let's take the veterinary hospital aspect out of this. Anything. Welcome to, welcome to, we're about to enter the post COVID world. I, I am a big proponent of automation and, and I often ask myself, a lot about a lot of industries is a really bad way to look at things, but I'll, you know, a lot of you go grocery shopping and I'm thinking there's 60 employees in this grocery store right now. Do we need 60? And it's not that I don't want any of those people to have jobs. I know they all have families. That's not my thinking, but it's like, you know, you go to the bank, there's six tellers. I'm like, why are there six tellers just standing there? This doesn't make sense for the business. Why couldn't I just do all this on a machine? Why couldn't I do all this remotely? So how do we, and I think this is what we struggle with at Whisker Cloud, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. We're doing two things. One is we're training our veterinary hospitals. You can get your curbside check-in form done online, and your and your front desk can get a notification that Adam's there with Baxter, and you don't have to lift a finger. Boom, Adam's here. He's in spot two. He did it from his phone on our website. Perfect. We're good to go. You know, he's a current patient. Everything. We have all of Baxter's information here done. Adam text us, whatever it's done. But then by offering that technology, now you're training Adam to also use that technology and to also expect things like that. So how do we, A, because I think this is a problem that you and I both have. A is we're companies. We sell software. We sell our product to veterinary hospitals. The veterinary hospitals won't continue to use our product if their customers aren't using it. So how do you and I build on the adaption of our products? It's a great point, Adam. And before I qualified as a vet, at some point, I traded a paper round for a, uh, a web design job. And I would develop these very naff websites, nowhere near the quality that, that WhistleCloud manages to achieve for its clients. Uh, we're talking flash intros and a bit of HTML tacked on. This is early 2000s. And the problem with that is we were building websites, but with no real purpose in mind. It was the early 2000s. And everyone just thought, I need a website. But they didn't really ask themselves, what do I need the website to do? And I think that's kind of where we are with apps at this moment in time, that they can become a vanity project where, yeah, we have got an app and it just sits in the app store unused. So if you, you're bang on, if you, if you can't get pet owners to engage with it, then what's the point? And if you can't get your veterinary team to engage with it, if they don't see what's in it for me, if they just see it as one more thing, then it's just going to be another failed strategic initiative that saps bandwidth and doesn't doesn't deliver anything. And so I think really key here is for us to see that the pet parents are on our side. The pet parents are on our side. And I don't just mean as technologists, because they sure are on our side as technologists. They want this stuff. But they're on our side as, as veterinary professionals. All too often, we see the downside. We see the negative. We see you know some people at their worst, and there's always going to be difficult clients. But in general, pet owners love vets and veterinary nurses and veterinary receptionists. They love their veterinary team. We've done surveys where people describe the beautiful relationship that they have with their vet. And at the end of every interaction on Pets app, we've had more than half a million interactions go through the app. At the end of every interaction, we ask for feedback. And you know what they say? They say things like, I'm so glad I can ask questions without bothering them on the phone. It's really good that more urgent calls get to take priority over my non-urgent queries. You know, that, that sort of thing. It's this real consideration of what they're inflicting on the veterinary team. And actually, sometimes that can be a barrier for pet owners reaching out for our expertise because they don't want to bother us, because they hold us in such high regard that they don't know if the issue is serious enough to be worthy of our time. They see us as busy professionals. So I think that's, that's something that's really valuable for us to keep in mind. And we found that if we can rapidly onboard pet owners onto the app, whether that's via the web version of the app or the mobile version of the app, if we can rapidly onboard them, they actually do a great job of training the team. 
you know, it's, you know, can I order my, order my flea medication through here? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. And then the next time it's like, yes, you can order your flea medication. You can pay when you come in. Oh, um, can't I pay through the app? So, oh yeah, I think you can. There you go. And the teams learn to do that. They see the drop in inbound phone calls. They see that they can now have more control over their own workday. The team embrace it. They advise every pet owner to download it. And you get this really virtuous cycle where you like exactly as you said, Adam, that you've got these win-win scenarios um, set up between the, the pet owner's interests, the veterinary team's interests, and the interests of the pet. And you know what's funny? It's like, do you think anyone on earth wants to go do anything and be handed a clipboard and asked to write anything? No. <laughs> no, I mean answer. it. it it's just, it's just blows my mind. I, there's nothing on earth I want to do. I don't personally, I'm not a phone person. I don't like being on the phone and you know, here's some breaking news. Worcester cloud has never done phone support. We do email support. And if you need to talk to someone, we schedule someone from our web team, someone from our social team, someone from our accounts team will call and, and we do a full zoom and we, we do a lot of those. So for a company that doesn't offer phone support, you know, we do a lot of zoom and, and phone support. However, we're currently in the process of building out phone support just as an option but i don't think our customers want that i don't think they've ever wanted it and i think when they have requested it it's typically 90 percent of the time not something that needed phone support but i also think it's good for them to have that interaction with our team but I i'm with you it's like when i'm going to the vet when i'm doing anything and and i think during covid what's been nice is you know there were times where my wife and i you know we get sushi every friday night we're like hey we want to get sushi we have to call the sushi place. We have to put the order in. We were, you know, it's loud in there. We repeat ourselves five times. Then we go get it. It's this long drawn out thing. We used to read the credit card over the phone. That always was weird. And you go through this process and you're like, that just took 10 minutes. And now our favorite sushi place down the street, they're like, oh yeah, we, we have an app now. You can just order and pay. And then you just show up. It literally messages you when it's ready. You come get it and it's done. It's like, I want everything in my entire life to be that way. I don't want to get on the phone and say, rainbow roll, brown rice, no this. Like no one wants to do that. What's the nail in the coffin to never have a clipboard with a pen that 40 people have touched that day? How do we get the same phone that 20 vet you know, vet professionals at a hospital have all put up to their face and mouth every day. Now that we're in this COVID era, it's like, yeah, things are pretty gross. How do we get to that point where it's like, hey, Mr. Greenbaum texts about Sophie's results. Can someone text him back? You know, and then it's done. Like, how do we get to that point? Many clinics are at that point. You know, we work with well over uh, well over 200 clinics now. And um, they have this sort of increase in efficiency, productivity, team happiness, uh, flexibility, all these great things. I think that the key to remember, though, is we don't work in absolutes. We see the practices that we work with achieve about 65% of their patients coming onto the PetsApp platform. Now we've released the web version of PetsApp as well as the mobile version. We hope to see that increase still further. But there's always going to be those laggards that just want to contact you via the phone. And you know what? The great thing is that phone line will now be open to them to do that. And it's about meeting people where they are and serving the people that you can serve efficiently as efficiently as possible. And the people that need, need a bit more handholding, sure, you've got the capacity to do that without it causing, you know, strain and stress to you or another member of your team. Man, I love to hear that stuff. This is like, this is all I care about. It's, you know, we have, I would say 75% of our customers, and we've had a lot, use our digital forms. And for the ones that don't, I don't understand it. And for the people that don't have an app like yours or some of the other ones out there, and they don't, you know, they don't even want an appointment form on their site. You know, we create these custom forms where we can ask any number of questions and you can even conditionally format it to ask follow-ups. And, you know, a lot of people say, no, we just want them to call us. And, and I always say to them, why wouldn't you want, you know, if, if I had to do a call with someone and I had zero information or, or... I could at least have any information. Why would I not want that? Why do I not want to have to know this is the pet? It is a dog. 
It's a Boston Terrier. He's nine. He's an existing client. He's on Apoquel. He eats Purina Pro plan food. Like, why wouldn't I want that? So when they call, I'm not like, hi, who's this? Okay. And this is for who? Okay. Baxter. And he's nine. Okay. And he still weighs 30 pounds. Okay. And he's, he's, you know, he's this, this, like, why do we want to have that conversation when that information can be readily available to you before the call? So yeah, I mean, I, it, those are the things I really struggle with because we probably have and I don't keep a count on this. I just, you know, see our, I randomly look at our sites all the time and I'm thinking like, I'll look at sites that I've never seen before that have been up for a year. And I'm like, wait, and I'll, and I'll go bug uh, Javi, our web development director. And I say, what's up with it? There was a site the other day. I said, I'm looking at the site. There's a newsletter page and the form looks just like their contact form. And she says, yeah, that's what they wanted. I said, Why? She said, well, that's what they wanted. Anyone that reaches out to them, you know, there's a box that says, do you want to be on our mailing list? I'm like, but I don't want people on my mailing list that don't want to be on my mailing list. If someone just wants to contact me, but she's like, I know I explained that to them, but that's exactly what they wanted. They wanted to get people who contact them on their mailing list. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And now people are going to be pissing. I asked you a question and now you're emailing me all the time. So, you know, it's all those little things that the little details that I focus on you know, sort of like what you were saying. It's like, if you can, if the phone's not ringing all day, then the phone, when it does ring, you can give it the proper attention. And that context is so important. I think you're right with these forms are a great place to start. And it provides that context for the interaction that's going to happen. And I think that's really important that we make it clear that this is about joined up online to offline experiences. You're not trying to digitally replace things like the physical examination. You're trying to augment it. And I think we even get it wrong with technology sometimes. I think with the pandemic, there was a big emphasis and focus on video consults. And, you know, that's part of what we offer in our product. But the problem with one and done video consults, so there's something like Zoom, is you lack context. So as a vet, you're thrown into this interaction. You spend the first half of the interaction under the bed with the pet owner trying to retrieve their reluctant cat. And then you spend the next half hoping the cat sneezes in exactly the way that they're describing, because if they don't, you don't <laughs> feel like you've added value. And we're shy billers at the best of times. You know, we're not commercially motivated individuals. So then we don't feel like we can charge for it. And then we think this whole thing is pointless. And it's like, well, actually, if you added in a sort of chat backbone to this, if you added in your reception team, you know, your customer service team, your nursing team, as well as your veterinary team, and you were able to collaborate and you were able to ask, you know, for a video of the cat sneezing before you jumped on into a consult, whether that's a physical consultation or a video consultation, collecting that context ahead of time is so important. Yeah, I mean, everything that you're trying to do and that I'm trying to do is to make the experience at a vet hospital better, to make the sushi picking up and ordering experience better. I don't want to be on the phone. I don't want to yell over the crowd. They also do karaoke at our sushi bar. Team Whisker Cloud has done a karaoke night there. I don't want to yell over that. I just want to go on my computer or my phone. I want to pick the five things I want. I want to use Apple Pay. I want to pay. And I want to get a ding that says your sushi is going to be ready in five minutes. Come pick it up whenever it'll be here and just go get it. And I want to do the same with my pets. I want to I want to send a text. Hey, I'm out here in spot three. Baxter's ready. Come get him out of the backseat. Let's go. You know, and, and I always, if you use an app, if you use forms, just tell me. I'm sitting there with a phone in my hand. What percentage of phones? I think we have a stat on the Whisker Club blog. I think it's like 91% of people use their phone two hours a day. I mean, there's a good chance that every pet owner that shows up outside of a very few are, are going to have a phone in their hands. Use that time. By the way, download our app. You know, in the future, you could text us, you can pay, or even if it's their first time ever coming here, they walk outside, they get your pet. They say, by the way, we use the pets app, go to our website from your phone, click the download app button. It's really simple. Once you've done that, you're going to be able to pay. You're going to be able to text us while we have your pet inside instead of just sitting here. Now I'm going to give you the ability to get used to our app, get registered and do all those things. I mean, that feels like the first thing anyone should do. Do you think your hospitals, do you train your hospitals on like saying what I just said? This is not set and forget technology. This isn't just sort of, you know, hey guys, run with it. It's, we have a customer success team. We have an implementations team. It's definitely about laying on the use cases. Where are the pain points in your hospital? And what are the use cases? Because it's incredibly versatile technology. What are the use cases that we should tackle first? help your team see what's in it for them, feel the benefit of it, help your pet owners get on board. 
and then layer on more use cases over time. And like you said, you know, it could be go on our website and download it. It could be where SMS text you a magic link to download it. It could be scan the QR code. You know, QR codes are something that I saw a lot during my time out in Asia, but just were kind of laughed at in the US and, and the UK. And now with COVID, we're seeing this sort of adoption of them. And they really do help with these joined up online to offline experiences. But going back to something you said, Adam, you know, you were saying that you want to be able to do this digitally. There are times when even the most sort of avid technologist doesn't want to do it digitally. You know, we see pet owners at, at difficult times and end of life care, euthanasia. And if I'm going through that with my animal at a hospital, I don't want that interaction to be interrupted by a phone call that you have to answer within three rings. You know, what I mean, I don't want that to, interaction to be interrupted with a non-urgent issue, with an issue that could have come in through a different channel if only there was the option to do that. So there is this balance and there is this mix to strike. And if you can't see sort of 10 years down the line, all the different digitalization touch points that are going to come into veterinary practice that you need to embrace in order to, to frankly resist the disruptive forces that are coming into our sector. Look at today and just think, you know, if my team could have this time and space to be present for the customers that really need our presence, and then the other stuff, the stuff that is important but not urgent, they can deal with in a time that they see fit, that, that fits their professional judgment. To me, it's just why would you do it any differently? Well, you know, what's funny is I've had the conversation about the euthanasia and the digital stuff. And, and I know this because we've done it in the past. Now, this was a few years back and it was in a different state. But going to take a pet to be put down and, and having like this worst day of your life and you go down there and they're like, hey, while you're waiting, we're getting the room ready. Can you fill out this paperwork? It's like, holy shit. No, I don't want to fill out this paperwork right now. I want to spend every second. Whereas, you know, you call, you say, hey, guys, I think it's time. And they say, awesome. Listen, we want that day to be all about your final moments. We're going to take care of everything. There is some questions we have about aftercare and about this or that. So here's what we're going to do. There's a link on our website and we're going to send you the link through our app and you're just going to go fill this out. And I mean, that's how I want to partner with companies like yours to be able to do that, to be able to have that information. So five days before when I'm sort of clear headed and, and mentally prepping for it, I can fill that information out. I can make sure they understand what I want. And then when I get there that day, there's no paperwork, there's nothing, there's not like, okay, what's going to happen to, you know, how do I get the ashes, blah, blah, blah. Like that's already been clearly handled well before. And, and, and that's where we use technology in those weird situations. And yeah, I'm with you. It's still, it's still weird to like be on a website, you know, I'm on my vet's website filling this out, but yeah, I mean, that's what we need for every part of life. No, in the lead up, I completely agree. And actually that is a moment in time when actually these micro engagements make a lot of sense is so often pet owners come in too late, you know, a little bit later than a lot of, I think veterinary professionals would think would be best, but it's a really tough decision for the pet owner to make. And how often do they want to transport that pet in a, in a fragile condition to the vet to check, you know, is, is now time is now time. But if they can keep checked in with you via an app and say, well, you know, this has happened, this has happened. Can we do anything to make them more comfortable? Or do you think now's the right time? That sort of care and contact, I think makes all the more sense at, at the end of life. Yeah. And then again, I, do you, you know, is that something where I need to call the hospital 10 times in two weeks and be like, okay, so we're having a bad day. Okay. Yesterday was good. We're having a good day. It's like, okay, we're going to need to figure this out. And we're just going to need to use some technology so that the pet owner feels like we're not blowing them off. But we also, you know, it's like, Hey, this sounds horrible. I don't mean it to sound horrible. But it's like, you don't need to call us every day. You know, we want to be checking up on this, but we don't need to know, Hey, so-and-so got up and ate their food this morning. Everything was great. It's like, okay, thanks for letting us know. Like that could have been an email or a text or something in the app where things were taken seriously. And then there's, hey, I think we're getting ready here. I think we're at the end. And it's like, okay, now that we know that, we're going to have you fill this out. You're going to fill out this form. We're going to have it on file. It doesn't mean you've made this appointment. It doesn't mean it's the end of the time. It just means we're ready to go. So when you do call us or text us and say, hey, today's the day, we're all fully prepared and we can only focus on your pet. So that's the world I want to live in. And you know, it's funny, man, as I'm, I'm doing my first, I haven't taken a trip. My last trip, my last serious trip overnight was to the Western Valley conference in Vegas 
for vet met. I mean, I was there last February and same. Yeah. yeah I mean, same. Lauren and I were there. We threw some parties, we threw some dinners, we saw everyone. The crazy thing was I left that, I left that event. I've never been more sick in my life. I, I don't think I had COVID, but I, I thought about it. I was like, maybe I got it when I was there, but I, you know, I got back and you know, about three weeks later, everything hit and, and you know, there we were, I haven't, I haven't done overnight trip, but I'm doing an overnight trip tomorrow. It's me, my wife and our two dogs. We're going to San Diego. So it's an hour South of us. It's not crazy, but we're staying at a hotel. I've not been in a hotel in over a year and going to a hotel. And you know, again, I I've already booked online, but I'm, I, I this is a situation where I've going to, I'm going to have two dogs with me. I'm going to be wearing a mask, even though I'm fully vaccinated. Like we're going to do all the right things. I don't really want to go check in and and stand in line at the front desk and have my dogs excited and like, Oh my God, we're finally, we're finally doing something. So I don't want to do all that, but that option wasn't given to me. I would have loved for them to email me today and say, Hey, you're here tomorrow. Pre-check in now, put your credit card on file. When you arrive, you know, you'll, we'll scan your app and you'll grab your key and you'll go up to your room. Like that's what I want. That's not going to happen. We're going to my favorite pizza place on earth. Yeah, I my family's from New York and Chicago. And guess what? The best pizza on earth is in San Diego. It's called uh, Bar Basic Pizza. And we're going there. And guess what? Same deal. There was no apps. I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to request a table. We're going to have to do that. But I think about even for me in life outside of vet med and outside of everything, pandemic or not, if I'm going to this hotel, why can't I just walk in and grab my key? Why do I have to have the interaction? You know, why can't I just let the pizza place know I'm going to be there at 12:30 p.m. Pacific time on Friday. I'm going to have my wife and two dogs. We'd like to sit on the patio. Can you set this up? And I mean, I would like a whole a world where everything is done that way, but it's just not done that way. So it's coming, I think. It's coming. And I think one thing I'd encourage every practice owner, practice manager to think about is you had some really great ideas, Adam, with regards to end of life care and getting that right is so rewarding. I know that sounds like a strange thing to say, but I think a a lot of uh, vets and vet nurses will relate to that, that getting it right for a pet owner at that difficult time is so rewarding. And I think you've got great ideas there, but I think the reaction, the natural reaction when you're in practice is, you know, that's not how we do it. We, We do it differently. Well, guess what? Pet owners don't live this experience every day the way we do. You know, you see it day in, day out. So you have expectations of what that goes like. But pet owners come into veterinary interactions when the last time they did it was maybe a year ago. And they don't have the expectations that we hold from living in it every day. So what that means is that we have permission to re-architect those experiences. We can challenge those expectations. We can make changes. We can change the way things are done. And, you know, you, your pet owners aren't going to be there sort of dumbfounded in shock that you changed everything because they take their cue from you. And I think here, one of the problems we have in veterinary medicine is we often set expectations so high of just how compassionate we are, how available we are. You know, nothing is too much to do for you and your pet. And then we fall just short of it at any moment. And that's when we get in trouble. With these solutions, we have the opportunities to manage expectations ahead of time and then exceed those expectations and just set ourselves up for a lot of success, a lot of happy clients. Um, I think it would just make the whole experience much more positive for everyone. Oh, I, and again, like I think people have this idea sort of to piggyback on what you were saying there. It's like, you're right. I'm not at the vet all the time. I don't know. And I like being excited about things. I like when we go to the movies and last year we had Regal passes and Regal was like, yo, you're a member, pick the movie, pick the time, walk up, we'll scan your phone. You just walk in. Oh my God. You know, I'm a Marvel fan. I'm a, we just like going to the movies Friday night. There's a new movie coming out. The fact that I don't go up to the theater down here in Newport beach and stand in line for 30 minutes to buy tickets. And I can just like have my phone scanned and I pre-select my seats how nice is that? I remember, you know, when I was young, it's like you wait in line all night. You have to go run and grab your seats. Okay, I'll get the seats. You go get the popcorn. Okay, then we'll we'll both switch. And we'll go to the bathroom before the movie and we'll all be good. It's like, why do I have to live that life? That's a horrible experience. I want to just walk in, scan my phone. Those are my seats. I don't care. I'll, I'll And I'll show up five minutes before the movie. That means I have more time for dinner before. And same thing at the vet. It's like, I text you guys, I'm here. You come out and get Baxter. I set up, oh, I, I need more food. Perfect. You guys have the app or I'm going to I'm gonna text you that I need a refill of this while I'm sitting here. I mean, that's what I want. Okay, it's time to pay. Okay, let me call and let me cover my mouth so I can read my credit card number over the phone and, and make it weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, just There's use, no more <laughs> uncomfortable experience. <laughs> it's like, no. do you have, you have your phone? Just use your app and don't talk to me. So I don't think it's about like, stop talking to us. But again, I, I mean, I really feel... And, and I struggle with this because I, 
I always think I come off a little negative on these talks. Although I ask a lot of people like, you're not negative. You're just kind of blunt. But like gut feeling is if you ask every pet owner out there and say like, you know, when the phone rings, how many times do you walk away from that call feeling like, I am so happy I just answered that call. It's got to be very, very, very few calls. Because most of the time, don't get me wrong, it's not like they don't want to help me with Baxter, but they're busy. They're at work. In fact, my guess is if I'm a front desk person at a vet hospital, my best days are the day the phones ring the least. It's got to be. That's got to be your best day. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I don't think you come across negative at all, Adam. I think what it is, is an impatient optimism. You can see that the future is brighter, but you want it to happen now. And and I can completely relate to that. And one incentive for that, one story that I can tell there is, you mentioned someone needing to order more food for their pet. That often happens when someone's completed a long day at work. Maybe they've come off a late shift. They get home. They realize they're running low on dog food. The prescription diet that you prescribe for them and guess what? The clinic's closed. Well, with PetsApp, they can go on to, to the chat and they can see they've got the automated message saying, you know, the clinic's not open. We'll reply to you at this time. But it's a non-urgent query. They don't need you to reply to them right now. They just need to be able to de- delegate this task from their to-do list to your to-do list. And I know, uh, I remember a specific example here where an owner did that at 9 p.m. in the evening. The clinic replied at 10 a.m. saying, no problem, it'll be ready for you to collect. Here's the payment request. And the customer feedback there was super fast response. That was the, the five out of five, super fast response. It was a 13-hour response time as compared to three rings on the telephone. Like The future is bright. We can take back control of our workflows. We can sort of reset expectations. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm impatient for that to happen now. And the truth is, it is happening. Yeah, we're here. And, and I'll be honest, you know, it's like even I think about Whisker Cloud customers and, and I get to talk to a lot of them and we see a lot of analytics and it's like point blank. You know, sometimes hospitals will be like, well, I'm friends with so-and-so and we both use Whisker Cloud and they're doing much better than me. Can you explain why I, you know, I modeled my website off to, after theirs, I do this. And I always say like, Okay, well, she uses digital forms. You don't. She runs Google ads. You don't. She has us help with social media. You don't. You don't even post to social media. This is the difference. And it's just so funny to me because I was thinking, you know, down here where I live, we're in a small beach town called Newport Beach. Have you ever, I mean, you're from the UK and your wife's from Minnesota. Have you ever, have you ever heard of Newport Beach, California? I've certainly heard of it. I've not had the pleasure of going there. Okay. I always wonder that because I tell a lot of people I live in Newport. They're like, I've literally never heard of that. We're like in the middle of San Diego and LA. You know, there's like, you know, you kind of have like the beach towns. It's Long Beach, Sunset Beach, Huntington Beach, um, which is now becoming very infamous for a lot of stupid shit. But then you have Newport Beach, which is beautiful. And then you have Laguna Beach, which a lot of people have heard of Laguna Beach. But, you know, it's just this like little beach town. There's a lot of surfing. There's a lot of boats. There's a lot of whale watching. And, you know, it's just kind of a quiet little beach town and yeah some cool companies like whisker cloud and some investing apps that are out here but you know so we we have this life out by the water life's great and you have all these restaurants and you know little taco joint little oyster place little a lot of seafood because we're right next to the water so you have all these seafood places and i'm watching all my favorite restaurants during COVID just close they're close there's no apps there's no way to order online. And then, you know, at the beginning of COVID, they're like, okay, we can have one person inside. There's a line around the around the world on the down on the peninsula. And you've got like, who's going to sit there and stand six feet apart, which I want you to do it to be safe. But who's going to stand there and do this and spend 90 minutes to get some tacos when you used to be able to walk up and be like, yo, give me two fish tacos. So I'm wondering why, like, I watched all these restaurants close and I'm like, they don't have an app. And then there's a couple restaurants we love they got the app. I looked it up. The app's 500 bucks a month. I don't know. I can't compare to that. But I thought to myself, if I'm a restaurant and I have this app and people can order paying, go get it like my sushi place and this pizza place by us, like, isn't that what you want? Like, why wouldn't you invest in that? Why wouldn't you invest $2,000 into your business? So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about you with like pets app, but I always find it funny. Like our lowest plans, $199 a month. It's pretty cheap. And we do a lot of stuff for that. And sometimes people will come to us and they're like, mm, I don't really want to spend that much. You know, I can do it on Weebly for 10 bucks. I'm like, that's going to be really bad for you. So I don't know how much you struggle with that, but I'm like, you're just going to have to, if you invest a little bit here, your profit's going to skyrocket. The return on investment with this stuff is an absolute no brainer. 
like the the time it saves the the productivity the capacity utilization improvements the ability to monetize your professional time the new clients you acquire the leads you generate from the sort of issues that otherwise wouldn't have come to you they would have stuck with dr google or their best friends sisters cousin whoever it might be so the return on investment is just so obvious to the extent that you see these surveys of clinics dropping revenue by like 30 to 50 percent over the pandemic well we know clinics using pets that have grown year on year through the pandemic right and it's like because they've invested in these tools and they will continue to grow the millennial demographic are the largest pet owning demographic well what do you think they expect how do you think they want to interact with the businesses that they buy from? And it's the if the pandemic has done anything, it's made millennials out of everyone. You know, my in-laws in Minnesota are regularly on um, you know video calls with the grandkids and messaging back backwards and forwards. And so the the market has been primed. Yes, there's been this nightmare backdrop and all that sort of thing, but it has sort of accelerated adoption and. It just makes so much sense to engage with it. Engage with, you know, get a proper website. Don't try and DIY it. Get the experts on the case. Get Whisker Cloud there and get, you know, a proper client engagement platform. Get pets up into your clinic. It, it, pay, it more than pays for itself. Can say that very, very confidently. You know, there's so many apps that we use here at Whisker Cloud too. And I'm always like, all right, how much does it cost? And they tell me, I'm like, well, how much time will it save us? Okay, it saves us that much time per month. Hey, it's whatever this is, it saves us 15 hours a week. That covers the cost of HubSpot itself. But yeah, I mean, we have all this data. And I know you do a lot of case studies and have all this data too on just how important all of this stuff is. You know, we look at it, it's like we, we post these graphics on our Instagram all the time. We even had one that went out today. But, you know, we post these things, 75% of people-based business credibility on a website, 74% of millennials reported improved brand perception of companies responding through social media channels. They probably feel the same when you respond through the app. 91% of people use their smartphone to search for a product or service. If they're already using their smartphone to get to your website, why would you not want to continue that through to an app where it's all connected together? So that's what you need. It's not just, oh, I've got a nice website. I'm good. No, it's no, I've got a nice website. I've got a nice app. I'm running ads. I'm doing everything that every successful business on earth does. I do understand the instinct, though, because I think in veterinary medicine, maybe more than than elsewhere, other other sectors, we are tinkerers and we are sort of, you know, we like to think of ourselves as ha having this broad scope and it's like, oh, I'll just hack this together. Oh, I, you know, I'm sure I can do that. It's like, no, don't stop. Stop. <laughs> you know, don't. You don't need to. It won't. It won't come out in the same joint up way. You've got enough on your plate. You got enough to do. Let others help. <laughs> I think that that sometimes we do need to being able to ask for and accept help. I think is is a real key to success, just in life in general. And I think that's something that as veterinary professionals we often forget. We forget to just look up and see what what fantastic resources there are out there to help us and to help augment our our efforts to advocate for our patients. Man, I couldn't have said that better myself. Nice work. So for people that want to learn more about Pets App, what do you, where do you want them to look? Please just head over to our website, petsapp.com. We've got lots of resources on there. We've got a blog. We've got case studies, as you said, Adam. But we've also got this fantastic webinar series that is available for free to everyone. It, yes, it covers technology, but it covers more general themes. We had a top 10 TED Talk speaker, uh, Professor Waldinger from Harvard, talk about happiness for veterinary professionals, for example. Another Stanford lecturer talk about pricing. So there's some fantastic resources over there. And if you want to see what we've built at PetsApp, you can request a demo and we'll be delighted to speak with you. That's great. Yeah, I mean, you guys do a good job of doing content. I mean, we, we, we pump out so much content. It's unbelievable. And you guys do a great job with that. You've got a great blog. You've got, you guys do like quizzes. And yeah, definitely when you go to petsapp.com, check out their blog. They did bingo. They do really cool stuff there. I mean, that's what you want. You want to be able to interact with your company. So it's fun doing it. Hey, Adam. I'm so I'm so thankful that you came on today. This was a lot of fun. And, and I'm excited for our team and your team to put some cool stuff together. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, everyone out there listening, be sure you like, subscribe, share, rate, all of that stuff. Whisker Talks on anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, we're there. Make sure you check out petsapp.com and we'll uh, see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam.